Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Mark Cox Morning Show is brought to you by Thomas Helbig and Bob Kershaw with the Retirement Advisory Group. RetirementKey.com. The Mark Cox Morning Show. I want to compliment your show on how fair and level-headed everything you guys talk about. Who is this guy? He's saying what we've been saying forever. Maybe what we need from a conservative standpoint is... The Mark Cox Morning Show. I respect that. We don't agree. Listen to both sides. This... Let's get it on. ...is the Mark Cox Morning Show. Good morning to you. You're listening to the Mark Cox Morning Show, and we uh, are following what's going on up in D.C. today. We, you know, normally on Thursday, Shannon Bream of uh, Fox News Sunday and chief legal correspondent up there at Fox is a regular guest. She is not going to be with us today, primarily because she's been assigned to the Supreme Court coverage today. Oral arguments get underway this morning in this uh, this uh, ballot case on whether whether or not President Trump can be removed from the ballot by these insane leftists who who want to in, convict him of, you know, you know uh, trying to overthrow the government, insurrection, when no char- nobody's been charged with that ever uh, in, in connection with January 6th. So here we go again. I was wrong earlier, and it's not easy for me to admit that, but I, I thought oral arguments started at 9 o'clock Eastern. They actually start at 10 o'clock Eastern. So I'm sure the Brian Kilmeade show is going to be covering this live as it happens. Uh, the live you can listen to the audio only from inside of the Supreme Court during this hearing. And I don't know if this is the only thing that that is going to be argued today or not. But I do know that it starts at 9 a.m. our time in the Supreme Court. And uh, they'll, that's what uh, Shannon is covering today. So uh, that's why we uh, were unable to get her live when we normally do at about 820. We it do have Griff Jenkins, at though. nine. Why does she not able to be with us at eight? Well, she's probably got to be over there getting prepped, getting ready, all that stuff, Carl. I mean, yeah, the amount of prep saying? work that's probably going into today. She should care more about us than that. I would think so. Carl, I mean, ask her that question next, next time week. she's on the air. That'll be you the say, last time. You know, Shannon, <laughs> right. as a broadcast professional uh, going on with our radio station, 40 minutes before you have to worry about that other crap shouldn't be a problem. Why don't you pose that question to her? 
Phrase it just like that, too. Being on with us would be the prep. Thank you. I know, I know. But I'm sure we're not the only radio station she talks to, so she probably had to cancel on everybody today just to to be ready for this. And I'm sure she's doing hits on Fox and Friends and all that this morning, uh, getting ready for it. So uh, that story coming up uh, for you later today. Stay tuned. We'll be covering it. All day here on 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, you can bet uh, on that. Jim Talent is coming up here next. Bottom of the hour, my friend Kurt Schwab is running for Congress down in uh, the great state of Texas. Um, is um, on the border this morning. Uh, Kurt is a veteran. I met him years ago here in St. Louis back when I uh, was still uh, uh, the morning anchor, Channel 4. A great guy, great uh, supporter of veterans across the country and he's now living in Texas and running for Congress down there. So we'll get his take on what he's seeing at the border. Griff Jenkins, a little later, we're going to talk to Mark Schmitz, father of Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, because their biggest fundraiser of the year is coming up for the Freedom 13. And we'll have all the details on that at about 845. Right now, let's get to the shortlist, please. The Mark Cox Shortlist. What makes you think the Trump fever is ever going to break? I mean, I, I mean, I've been I've been hearing people talk about the Trump fever breaking for for years now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Jake Tapper really doesn't like Donald Trump, and he thinks that everybody who li- who supports Trump must have a, a fever, an illness, uh, is what he suggested yesterday. Republicans are never going to compromise on immigration. I think the only way that immigration ever gets solved is if Democrats are in charge of the House and the Senate. We change the rules and we get something passed with a majority vote. Boy, that sounds like democracy. But if we just controlled everything, we could fix this. Uh, You do control the border with the president right now and you won't fix it, Chris Murphy. The greatest invasion in American history, by the time we get to the election, 10 million illegal immigrants crossing our southern border. Tim Scott sounding more and more like a vice presidential candidate every day, I think. Uh, That's just my take on it. I have more legislative experience than Cori Bush and Wesley Bell combined. And with your help, we can stop St. Louis's voice in Congress from being sold to the highest bidder. Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. I'm uh, Maria Chappelle Nadal, uh, who I have actually had on this radio show before in the past. And uh, she doesn't back down from from what she does, including encouraging the assassination of a sitting president. I do respect that she came on your show, though, knowing you guys would definitely disagree on right. topics. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm civil to people. I, I'm not, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that she did them, it but, because yeah, I'm shocked yeah. that she, a lot of people would not agree to that. It's been a while. Um, but she has been on and I'm, it may have been, it may have preceded because I think I invited her on after she threatened uh, she, she declared that Donald Trump should be assassinated. She hoped, uh, she basically what she did was retweet somebody else's tweet and say, I hope, I hope so. Somebody who called for his assassination. Um, she got censured by the Missouri Senate for that. And this morning or late yesterday, she announced she's all in for Missouri's first congressional District. Here is her announcement. Right-wing groups have flooded Wesley Bell's bank account with Republican money since he abandoned his floundering Senate campaign last year, while Cory Bush's campaign is under investigation by the Department of Justice. It's time St. Louis had a real choice in representation, not one between a Republican plant who's failed at the biggest job he's ever held and someone who has created more controversy than progress since we sent her to Washington. 
it's time to have a conversation about effective public service for our country. And that's why I'm running for Congress. I've spent the last 20 years of my life serving the working people of St. Louis, fighting for our planet and standing up for our freedoms. So that's it. So she announced yesterday she's running for the first congressional district. She must she must sense blood in the water uh, in the first congressional district to accuse Wesley Bell of, of failing at his biggest job ever. Uh, I, you know why she thinks that, right? Because he ran on a social justice reform or criminal justice reform platform, I should say, just like Kim Gardner. But he didn't do what Kim Gardner did, which was go in and wreck criminal justice completely. I'm not saying he didn't do some things I don't disagree with uh, when it came to how he's decided cases. Um, but but you you got to look at this, right? I mean, he, I think he went back and looked at the Darren Wilson case and reached the same conclusion as everybody else, which made a lot of people mad. So maybe maybe that's where her anger for him stems from. Maybe it stems from the fact that he didn't go in and single-handedly destroy the office like Kim Gardner did. I mean, I think these are fair questions for Maria Chappelle-Nadal. What's your big issue with Wesley Bell, and why do you assume that Republicans are now funding Wesley Bell, who came out of Ferguson as a, you know, uh, I, I don't know if he ever called to defund the police, but he certainly called for reforming the criminal justice system, just like Kim Gardner. I guess I just don't feel like this woman would really stand a chance going up against Cori Bush and Wesley Bell. I just think that they have more name recognition. It, it'll it'll create some division. Uh, if I remember correctly, and somebody I'm sure will will text me shortly if I if I get this wrong. Maria Chappelle Nadal had a little bit of a history in Jeff City of crossing party lines to try to work on stuff, um, and maybe she is is talking to people in the district who who voted for Cory Bush the last two times not sure they want to vote for her again because of she's become a bit of a lightning rod and they're looking for a different progressive left alternative i maybe i'm wrong about that maybe we have Maria Chappelle Nadal on again and ask her these questions um I, I don't know, uh, she, but but she could split the vote in that district and give the race to Wesley Bell. Well, that's what I see happening is she's that taking votes away. So in that way, she could make some big waves here. Right, right. Well, we'll see. We're going to get uh, to former Senator Jim Talent here in a couple minutes. I'm anxious to get his take on how this Senate bill on the border just completely melted down. We'll be back in just a minute. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You are right that that has been the Democratic strategy for... 30 years, maybe, uh, and it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. Oh, 
for Senator Jim Talent on the line with us this morning. Jim, that was Senator Chris Murphy there saying the quiet part out loud. I don't know if you heard that or not, but he's basically said the people we care about the most are undocumented Americans. <laughs> what do you if do with that? Undocumented, you're not an American. Thank you. Thank you. I, mean, I had not heard that clip. Let, let me let me play it again just for the people, just so they hear this here. Uh, and it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. <laughs> if you, you can't be an undocumented American, I agree with you completely. But, you know, generally they won't admit that. But that's what they're after in these border bills, which is amnesty uh, in a lot of cases. They want to get these uh, folks in and then turn them into voting citizens. It's it's oxymoronic, isn't it? <laughs> you know, let's go back. Let's go back to first principles here, Mark. OK, so when you are an elected official in the government of the United States, your obligation is to act in the interests of the people of the United States, the people who are in our polity. There's a political science term, right? Yes. yes. Which means the citizens of the United States and probably is large enough to include the permanent residents of the United States who have not yet become citizens. Now, that doesn't mean that we are inhumane or cruel to people who are not citizens. And the United States, both in its public acts and private charity, has been more generous to people around the world than any other great power in the history of the world. That's just a fact, okay? But you have to act in the interests of the people, and it is not in the interests of the people to have an open border. And I don't think it's in the interests of the people, I mean, to allow, even if it were done legally, millions and millions of people in on an indiscriminate type basis without regard to whether their presence here would meet the needs and advance the interests of the people of the United States. Okay, so he's just he's wrong in what he's saying. That's not the people he should care about. I mean, I, it's, it's, he should care about the constituents who elected him and the people of, uh, of the country as a whole. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how this whole border bill and Ukraine funding and Israeli funding mess uh, lost? I mean, they seem to go into the negotiations seeming to think that they had a shot at it, and it just melted down the minute the actual script came out. Yeah, I do, Mark. I actually said on the show and in other uh, forums that I thought the strategy was wrong. I understand why they did it, uh, but th the strategy should have been to negotiate over a process, not the bill. In other words, they should have said to the Democrats, look, we'll let you bring up the supplemental appropriations bill if you let us offer the amendments we want to offer with our language, not language we've negotiated with you, the amendments we want to offer on the Senate floor. And then we'll debate it. We can vote it up or down. And I, I don't think the Democrats would have agreed to that. But then what then it would have been clear who didn't want to take the steps, either legislatively or executively, to close the border. Right. And they'd have had a standoff for a couple of months, which they had anyway. And in the meantime, um, the Republican senators could have been talking about the amendments they wanted to offer, which would have solved the border problem. OK, so and then you go to the people. I mean, if you can't get a compromise, you make an issue in the election, you go to the people. That's how the system's supposed to work. So I think the strategy, I understand why. But uh, and certainly James Langford, he's a great what everybody's saying about him is true. OK, he's a great senator. He was tasked with a difficult job and he did his best. Now we move on, and I think we vote on the supplemental appropriations bill. 
and go to the country on the issue of the border. Yeah, I'm 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 not quite sure uh, why. I mean, Senator Langford's still sticking to his guns on this, that this was an improvement of some sort. Do you believe what was in this bill would have improved the situation on the border at all? Because Joe Biden could have just ignored it as well. Yeah, well, again, with regard to Senator Langford, he negotiated in good faith. He agreed. He's sticking to his word. And he obviously believes that on balance, what he negotiated is better than what we now have. I don't agree, but that's an honorable position. Okay. And uh, no, I don't agree because I th- there's a lot of reasons why I think part of it is an immigration legislation is very technical, Mark. Yes. And I, you know, I, I was never an expert on it. I'm not, comp- but it's hard to discuss in just a couple of minutes. But I think we needed to language so tight that it would effectively force the Biden administration. Back to the Trump policies, yes. which were remain in Mexico, number one. In other words, you'd adjudicate asylum claims before you let them in, okay? And another one that Trump did was, if you're seeking asylum, you should stop in the first country that will give you asylum. So if you're coming from, oh, let's say Venezuela, you should stop someplace else before you get to the United States. And if you don't, we will have cooperative agreements with other countries, so we will fly you to one of the countries you should have stopped in. Yep. Okay. And now none of that none of that was in there, Jim. And I I, right. I agree with you completely. They they uh, missed the boat. However, they thought they had uh, reached some sort of an agreement. I'm out of time, uh, sir. Thank you for your time. Okay, Mark. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Good to get Jim Talon on here and get his his thoughts on that. Obviously, served with Langford. I I just don't understand why he's he he's still. Uh, he's like a, he's like a dog on a bone with this thing. Let it go. It's dead. <laughs> and it's not it's not the Republicans' fault. Uh, it was the Democrats' fault for bundling it the way that they did. And then uh, some of the stuff that was included in there would never have addressed the issue. This was never going to pass. Coming up, we'll get to my friend Kurt Schwab. He's on the Texas border with Mexico this morning. We'll get a bird's eye view, firsthand report coming up. They're not trying to secure our southern border. They're not trying to protect the American people. They are simply letting the greatest invasion in American history, by the time we get to the election, 10 million illegal immigrants crossing our southern border for one reason. It's what they want. Any decision they make between now and the election is political posturing. Yes, Senator Tim Scott there uh, speaking out about this border bill and the Democrat sleight of hand that was included in that bill that just failed, by the way, uh, and they took a vote on it yesterday. It it wasn't going anywhere. But a lot, as Ted Cruz pointed out, Republicans couldn't vote for a plan that allowed two-thirds of Joe Biden's invasion to come in. Uh, we want zero. We need to take that number back down to uh, much lower than where it is now, not two-thirds of 10 million people. It, it's it was insane what they were trying to do there. Anyway, for the people that live in the border states specifically, it's a mess, particularly down in Texas. Now, I want to introduce you to my friend, Kurt Schwab. He's running for Congress down in Texas in District 33. Uh, I've known Kurt for many, many years, going back to my time at Channel 4. Great. He's a veteran, a great supporter of veterans. And Kurt, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Mark. Good morning. Good talking to you again. Good, good to have you on, my friend. And uh, you are taking a tour today of the situation at the southern border there with Mexico. Uh, tell me where you are and what you're seeing down there. We're in Terrell County, uh, Sanderson, Texas. 
uh, it's a it's a forgotten portion of the border between um, El Paso and Del Rio. Uh, there's over 600 miles from end to end that uh, border patrol and local authorities have to attend to, which are <clears throat> which are severely undermanned and underfunded. Oh yeah, of course. And and you're you've got a local sheriff down there, I understand, who is going to take you around and show you some of the trouble spots. I mean, is it is it just as obvious as driving down the road somewhere and seeing the effects that this is having on that community? It is. You can see the the small campfires that have been around. Um, maybe some of the remnants of maybe wet clothing or so forth. Um, we were told that. We were at the Del Rio yesterday, and directly across the river was Mexico. And what they do, Mark, is they have somebody swim across the river with one end of the rope, and they tie it off, and they're able to use it as a pulley system to to bring themselves across. Now, just up on the hill around the bend, there's a big white house that he pointed out to me, and that's where all the illegals meet up before they decide to crossover it's it's an incredible sight down here wow you know i i I saw they had a big story on 60 minutes the other day of people using uh uh, what uh, was it tiktok to find holes in the southern border fence and the best places to cross i mean it's just like a it's like a, a the worst kept secret in the world that there are some places easier than others to get across these coyotes are taking full advantage of it and they're running drugs and human trafficking. I mean, I, I can't imagine what life is like for the people that live down there, Kurt. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. And actually, I'm sitting here uh, right next to the sheriff of Terrell County, um, Chad Cleveland. I mean, Thad Cleveland. And um, <clears throat> the the underfunding down here is very critical. Uh, what people don't realize is <clears throat> they have. Like for here in Terrell County, for instance, they only have three full-time county uh, officials and 50 Border Patrol. And the 50 Border Patrol agents are covering 91 miles. That's a lot of miles considering three shifts, two uh, two people per vehicle. Um, you know, it, it's a domino effect, and we need to secure the border now as we've all been talking about it. Uh, one thing that I have noticed is – what people don't talk about are the NGOs, the non-governmental offices that are supporting the illegals. If we stop funding those, such as Southwest Key and Vision Quest, that may slow down the process. It's a good point. And I saw where in that border bill that failed, there was something close to like a billion dollars. So there was some incredible amount of money dedicated just to those NGOs. So it would have funded even more of this stuff where they're – they're um, basically going to the other side of the border and, in many cases, coaching people on what to say to, to break into this country. Yeah, that's correct. And, and you know, the funding portion, uh, for instance, Terrell County here, <clears throat> out of all the money, they get a grant from Operation Lone Star. And the last grant they got was only around $100,000. And in today's world, that doesn't go very far. Um, one thing that people need to know and need to be educated on, find out what the NGOs in your local cities are are doing and who they're supporting. Um, In 2020, when Biden took office, the increase of illegals went up 289%, and the second year went up 418%, Mark. So 
this is not a red carpet. This is not an open border. This is purely an invasion, regardless of the reason why they want to come over here. Kurt, this is Kim. I'm just curious what the situation is with the razor wire, because I know the Supreme Court said you, you have to take it down. But are you still seeing that? What does it look like there? Uh, the, the razor wire is more downriver toward Eagle Pass. Uh, the one thing here in the Terrell County, uh, you know, the area between El Paso and Del Rio is all mountainous areas. So that's one good thing about being within that area is uh, you'd have to climb an, uh, uh, an awful, awful steep mountain to uh, to get over oh, here. Good. So they, they have some geographical advantages there that they don't have in other parts of uh, of, the, of the border. That's good. So wh- they do. Wh- and, yeah. and, you know, Mark, I will tell you this. The Del Rio, I mean the uh, the Rio Grande River, is only about waist high, so you can wade across it. Yeah. Well, uh, Kurt, where do you stand on uh, supporting Governor Abbott and what he's been doing down there? You know, uh, the map that you sent me, Mark, is perfect. Uh, Governor Abbott, I think, is doing a hundred ten percent of what he can. Uh, we need more governors to join us. Uh, you know, HR2, <clears throat> Texas HR2 here, uh, passed with keeping the illegals incarcerated or in Mexico. And that's exactly what we need. It's, it's not a, uh, it's not a, uh, an end all problem, but at least it's a start. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and I, and I would, I would invite any other governor, to come down to reach out to me and meet with me here in Terrell County and let's show you the real the real issues of what's going on. Well, I couldn't agree with that more. We're talking to Kurt Schwab. He's running for Congress down there in te- Texas, a district of 33. The map Kurt is referring to that I sent him a, a graphic of last night was a map of the United States, but dangling down below the great state of Texas was something you might see hanging off the back of a big bull just to prove that Texas is doing what a lot of these border states ought to be doing. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing down there, my friend. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, best of luck in this uh, primary you got coming up. Mark, the one thing I want to say is people need to understand, even though they have congressional uh, people running for the congressional representative areas, doesn't mean that when they get elected, they're only going to support that district. They're going to be in Washington, D.C., and when they go to vote on items, on issues, they're voting for the entire country. The RNC and the local GOPs are broke. So the individuals have to reach out to the candidates and help support them to cross the finish line so we can move on and uh, and get a job done that needed to be done years ago. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Kurt, uh, enjoy your time down there, my friend, and uh, bring us a, we'll get another full report from you here maybe in the coming weeks. Will do. I appreciate it. Thank you. Kurt Schwab uh, running for Congress down there. Kurt Schwab for Congress dot com. This guy is a was a, a veteran. Uh, he ran an organization called uh, Veterans for Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. And he supported uh, vets all over the country, helping them find jobs uh, when they came back from the military. He's really been involved in helping a lot. And uh, now he's trying to make his way into Congress. So, And I what an experience him. to be at the border because you can hear about it. We can talk about it, but 
watching all of it with your own eyes has to be really you, something you've else. You've got to see it. And when I was there years ago with with Matt Blunt, I flew down there when I was a reporter at Channel 4. We flew down on the, the Missouri State aircraft, and it was a prop plane. It took, seemed to take us forever to get there. We were in Arizona and um, in the Yuma sector. And it was unbelievable. Even back then, we were sending National Guard troops down there to help way back then, mm-hmm. early 2000s, right? And you're you're just in a wide open field, tumbleweeds rolling by and people chugging across the, the field to break into our country. There's not like a sign that says, welcome to America. <laughs> it's literally just a field between two roads, and that's where the border is in many cases. We need a sign like the Wizard of Oz saying, I'd turn back if I were you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh-huh. I have a lot of property and a backhoe. I'd turn back if I were you. That's that's the sign we need down there for sure. All right, coming up, we're going to get to our friend Griff Jenkins in the next hour, and uh, they're going to have hearings in D.C. today, of course, at the Supreme Court, on whether or not President Trump can be kicked off the ballots in blue states across America. I uh, don't think that's ever going to happen, but um, maybe Griff can update us on that. And um, also, Mark Schmitz is going to join us. They're having their pub crawl for Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, the U.S. Marine, who gave his life for our country in that botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, he's going to tell us more about that effort coming up about 847. We'll be right back. For several days, Martha, um, the border bill has been dead. It's been... It's been as dead as Woodrow Wilson. Um, And now it's official. We just finished voting. There will be some who will want to continue to talk about this bill. It's their right, but I think they'll just be grooming a corpse. You know what he should have said? He's as dead as the French president that Joe Biden thinks he just talked oh, to. Oh, I wonder if he's thought of that. That he's would have been even better. He's as dead as Francois Mitterrand, who <laughs> Joe Biden thinks he still has conversations with. That would have been a good one. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if he's thought about that. We should send him that to his office so he can use that. That's a, that's a good one. Mr. Comey is a meathead. <laughs> I love some John Kennedy. It must really suck to be that dumb. Yeah, <laughs> we could go on. In fact, I've got another bite from here I wanted to play. He was talking about energy in the United States and what this administration has done. Like today, the EPA is is churning out some new BS on emissions, like particulate emissions. And it's going to it's going to do harm to multiple businesses across the country in ways you can't even imagine at a time when energy costs and everything else is through the roof. Same thing with your the, the reason your 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 heating bill, your furnace, keeping your house warm, all that costs so much these days because of ridiculous uh, piling on by the Obama administration. Trump tried to roll a bunch of that stuff back. And now Biden has just doubled down in the three years he's been in office. One more reason you need to get rid of him. President Biden is committing energy suicide for America. Regrettably, and I mean that, regrettably, too many times in the past three years and on too many issues, We have seen President Biden act as a sock puppet for a faction of neo-socialist Americans 
who don't like our country, who think our country was was wicked when it was founded and that, that it's even more wicked today. And this faction, which President Biden has supported far too often, thinks our country must be torn down and rebuilt. And of course, they want to be the ones to rebuild it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I don't know how you deny anything the man just said. No. It's a disaster what, what they're doing from energy to the border and everything else. And, boy, I guess if you were like Joe and you just hung around and watched CNN or MSNBC all the time, you might have a different perspective on all that. Sort of like Jake Tapper, who thinks if you support Donald Trump, you, you must have an infection. Play cut three for me, Carl, please. What makes you think the Trump fever is ever going to break? I mean, I, I mean I've, been, I've been hearing people talk about the Trump fever breaking for, for years now. I, I mean, at, at what point is it not a fever? It's just that the Republican, the body of the Republican body politic is just infected. <laughs> Can you We're a basket it? of deplorables that are I, sick in the head. It's true. It's a basket of deplorables moment for Jake Tapper. They're just all infected with Trump. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to get to Griff Jenkins, and we'll talk to Mark Schmitz about how you can help out the Freedom 13 with the pub crawl. We'll be back. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.